Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, University of Oxford, and Kantar, the marketing insights and consulting company. In each episode, we'll have a frank discussion with industry experts to help brands and business leaders navigate the changing landscape. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. ...of marketing, and hopefully dispel some myths and misconceptions along the way. I'm Andrew Stephen, the L'Oreal Professor of Marketing and Associate Dean of Research at the Said Business School. I'm Jane Osler, Global Head of Media, Insights Division of Capital. Today's podcast is about gender and advertising and uh, really about getting gender right, which is some research from, from Kantar. And I'm really glad to welcome our guest today, Angeline Martin, who is the head of private sector engagement at UN Women. Uh, UN Women is the United Nations entity for gender equality and the empowerment of women. Uh, so, Angeline, welcome to the podcast. And, and maybe to kick us off, if you could just tell us a little bit more about your role and, and what UN Women uh, is doing, particularly in the context of, of advertising. Great. Thank you, Andrew. And it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak with you today. As you mentioned, I work for UN Women and I oversee their work with private sector engagement. I'm also here in a secondary capacity representing the Unstereotype Alliance, which is a, a formation between the United Nations and a number of companies uh, who have really committed to removing harmful stereotypes from advertising in the next few years. Great. And so we'll, we'll definitely get more into that. Um, but first, I wanted to hand it over to you, Jane, uh, to, to tell us a little bit about the, the ad reaction, getting gender right research from Kantar. So one of the things we discovered in our ad reaction research, which was a multi-country study, it was over 40 countries, we looked at lots of different data that we had from and insights from our creative database, um, from media data that we've gathered, uh, from our effectiveness studies, um, and we also looked at Brand Z. Um, and we looked overall at the differences between 
men and women in their responses to different uh, different stimuli. We also looked uh, at a study called Getting Media Right, which was asked where we asked marketers some questions about what they thought they were doing right and wrong. The interesting thing we found was first that marketers think they're avoiding gender stereotypes. Over 80% of marketers think they're doing a really good job of portraying genders well. In all the consumer research that we did, actually, we found that consumers think the opposite. So um, over 76% of female consumers think that the way that they're portrayed, for example, is really out of touch. So there's a big gap in perception between marketers and consumers. You know, when it comes to gender attitudes, it's not just about having women in advertising. It's also about how they're portrayed. So women, you know, often get about 30% of the media coverage, but they're portrayed as a victim. How can we turn that around and have them play that protagonist role? And if we do that, if we try it, if we test it, if we do it in a conscious way, I trust that we'll see a shift in the way that, that women are perceived in their communities. Marketers think they are avoiding gender stereotypes. And then sort of the research sort of showed that marketers didn't really think that this was a I, I don't know, a problem, or they thought that maybe they'd solved that problem. Um, I'm kind of curious why why they would think that, given that disconnect between what, what consumers are thinking and where that sort of misperception and misalignment really is coming from. Well, one of the things that we believe is that actually it's sort of unconscious incompetence. It's, it may not be deliberate. It's just that marketers aren't necessarily thinking of it as an issue. Um, and this is why we believe that more testing is needed and more research is needed to understand how people do react to different forms of advertising of, of, of all genders. Um, and there's a really important reason why marketers actually do need to think about this and take it very seriously, because we know that from our Brand Z data that gender-balanced brands actually drive far greater uh, brand value. Um, so brands that are skewed one way or the other actually tend to perform less well. So there's, there's a really important reason why marketers need to take note of this. I'm reading the quote, it says, gender skewed brands underperform compared to gender balanced brands. Male skewed brands are valued on average at 9 billion US dollars or less. So I, I guess that really reinforces the point that this is not just about doing the right thing, but there, it makes sense for business as well. You know, when you were talking about um, more data and more research, you and women, with support from Kantar, actually just produced a, a 10-country study. Japan, USA, Sweden, Turkey, Nigeria, Colombia, Kenya, the UAE, India, and the Philippines. And one thing that came out of that research was that in eight of the nine topic areas covered, which focused on education or safety and violence and roles in society, men are still seen as having more access and control than women. So when we think about the perceptions at that individual level and then how that relates to what people are seeing through um, advertising, I think there's a real direct correlation there that we need to look to reverse. While we saw these trends across the 10 countries, it's really important to know that when you're thinking about positioning, one size does not fit all. And you really need to think about the, the cultural context, the sensitivities um, to inform the, uh, what's being produced. So looking at our creative uh, database from Link for TV, we looked at how different products and different industry categories are targeted. And um, unsurprisingly, I think for many people, marketers actually do seem to be targeting 
uh, according to stereotypes. So, for example, um, I'll just give a couple of examples here. There are many. Baby products, laundry products and household cleaners, 98% of those ads are targeted at women, which implies, you know, really that men don't have anything to do with buying baby products at all. Uh, They don't do any washing um, and they don't do any cleaning, which does seem to me to be a slightly kind of 1960s view of, of, of the world. It's quite startling, actually, when, when I saw those numbers of, of how the targeting was just so so uh, stereotyped. I guess, Angeline, what's your reaction to that? I mean, is, is this, you know, this doesn't seem now like unconscious bias. This seems like uh, deliberate decisions being made by advertisers to, uh, to go with the stereotype. Is that, you know, is, is it lazy marketing strategy or is there, you know, I don't think there's anything necessarily... Uh, I, I guess sinister, maybe uh, in what marketers are trying to do, but it does it does strike me as this isn't just a under the radar unconscious thing when we see this bearing out in the way that uh, targeting based on stereotypes uh, occurs. So I think part of it is a little bit of retraining of the brain to to think a little bit differently about what might feel comfortable. Um, and how that's really impacting the communities versus just um, the products. And I think what's really exciting for me over the course of my career is I have had the privilege of really being exposed to so many purpose-driven brands out there that at the you know, at the core and the heart of their work, they're really thinking about how do we create a better world for our consumers and a better world through the work that we're doing. And so the more that we can do to bring attention to some of the data and research and trends, I think that there is an appetite for shifting some of those those ways and traditional ways of thinking. And what we've seen through the Unstereotype Alliance, where we have, you know, 35 or so chief marketing officers from major brands around the world thinking very consciously about how to shift these trajectories it does give me hope that we're going to be able to wipe out harmful stereotypes by 2020, which is what their ambition is. And what's really exciting to me is when you have the key decision makers at the table thinking about this, and you know that they're going to start by working within their own companies, that ripple effect is is certainly, you know, has a great tie to make it happen. I think, I think you're right. But so perhaps... Um... Because some of the people listening to the podcast might not be familiar with the the work of the Unstereotype Alliance, so it might be a good point to 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 talk a little bit about that and specifically the sorts of things that that you just referred to in terms of uh, trying to stamp out uh, stereotypes in advertising. The Unstereotype Alliance is built around the notion that the problem is not seeing the problem, and it really helps calls on the industry to take a deeper look and recognize the problems of stereotyping and the first step to actually eliminating them. And so the more that we can showcase the kind of perils of stereotyping, the more that people can think about how they can shift that moving forward. Okay. So it's sort of about awareness in the first instance, I guess, you know, then turning that into action. Um, what what are some of the actions that the CMOs as part of the Alliance are, are doing to, to address this issue? So the Unstereotype Alliance has made a commitment to create unstereotype branded content. So this would be by depicting people as empowered actors, refraining from objectifying people, and portraying progressive and multidimensional personalities in what is put forward. And so by doing that, 
you know, we'll see a change in what's being happening on screen. What we also want to do is drive gender balance in senior leadership and the creative roles. We know that if you have people with this level of understanding in those leadership seats, there's a more natural affinity that uh, even the most compelling ad at the curse review will not pass the more critical eye test. And so if we can directly address some of this unconscious bias, we think that we'll see a shift in the industry, but we know to do that, there needs to be training, there needs to be tools, there need to be resources to make that possible. So one of the things that we've been doing is really helping to provide some guidance and resource on how to to scan your ads before going live to check to see how gender sensitive they are. In fact, one of the industry initiatives that um, many uh, marketers are now taking part in is actually called Free the Bid, which does mean that on any short list of directors, for example, uh, that, that there should be a woman present on, on each short list, um, which I think is helping to at least start to correct the gender balance issues at the sort of agency and, and production end. It's not necessarily the case that an ad that's directed or written by a man is wrong for women. It's just that there needs to be kind of more balance and more, I think, diversity in the agency infrastructure. And a lot of clients are actually, interestingly, now writing this into contracts and um, pitch briefs and that kind of thing to make sure that agencies are starting to take this seriously. I think that the other thing is that media agencies need to have a look at their gender balance as well, because uh, I think whilst, um, as in many types of agencies, there are probably a great balance at more junior levels of, of men and women, that actually as you go more senior within the company, more, more men are present and therefore perhaps more strategic media decisions aren't being made in a sort of perhaps a totally holistic way, everyone's got their own bias, even though they have all the data and insights at, at their disposal. This is why targeting at the moment seems to be a fairly blunt instrument. But it doesn't have to be like that. There are examples where Ariel, for example, did a campaign called Share the Load, which showed men doing washing um, as well. And uh, there's a recent example that Nike ran in Russia, um, where they were trying to um, correct misperceptions about what girls could do in sport and how powerful they are. Um, so there are examples where advertisers actually are starting to do this really well. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Our 
creative database again, we found that one of the characteristics of advertising that works really well amongst both genders is humour. And humour does improve ad receptivity. And actually, women respond to humour even more so than men. They really like it in advertising. But interestingly, fewer ads that feature women try to be funny. Um, This is a personal bugbear of mine. I do wonder why, because I think humour is the best way to engage people and to encourage them to sort of join into a conversation. A really good example of uh, an ad which is very bold, um, and some people think it's very funny, is a Libresse ad called Viva la Volvo. I recommend you watch it on YouTube if you have a chance. Just, just, Just look for Viva la Volvo and have a look and see what it is. Some people find it really funny. Other people find it really shocking. Um, It was made for a uh, sanitary protection brand and it was run in Sweden. And so maybe building off of that, Jane, um, Angeline, you mentioned earlier about cultural sensitivity and some of the research that uh, UN Women had done. I can imagine this is where you get polarisation. Humour could be one of those areas, but, but there could be a whole bunch of other areas, I suppose. So So how do we, if we think about dealing with cultural sensitivities around different perceptions of stereotypes, you know, I'm just, again, thinking about the poor marketer trying to pile all of this up to, to, you know, do their best to get it right. I'd like to build on Jane's mention of that ad from Sweden, uh, because I think it's no accident that an advertisement like that was able to gain such popularity and comfort in that market. Sweden is actually one of the largest donors to UN Women and has been for many years. And in Sweden, it's well known that their approach to gender equality is incredibly rich. Um, They have an overarching principle that everyone, regardless of gender, has the right to work and to support themselves and to balance career and life and live without fear of abuse or violence. So having that so actively promoted at the most senior government level through their leadership, through their policies, and through their approaches, seems to have inherently impacted the the advertising market as well. In other countries that may not have the same level of progressiveness, how you introduce humor, how you position your ads is going to have to take a different lens. And I think we have to recognize that that each context matters. I think about, you know, the example you gave of, um, of share the load. And, you know, I I come from a South Asian background. That advertisement took place, you know, in South Asia. And I grew up in a household where my dad does do all the laundry. He did it for when we were growing up. He was the primary person to do the laundry and the dishes more than my mom did. And so for me, that was a very comfortable experience. Do I think that's the norm? No. But do I think that there are certain experiences that have that influenced his ability to do that? Absolutely. The more that we can do to create some of those different presentations um, and exposure to kind of new scenes and the more that we can do to show men and women in less traditional roles the more that it will feel comfortable for the next generation to to build on those new examples we looked at our brand lift insights data which is of all of our digital campaign studies and we did a big meta-analysis looking at different audiences and one thing which was quite surprising was we found that online advertising generally works less well among women you know the the thinking is that perhaps women respond less well to the clutter they don't like that as much Um, they object to some of the targeting 
uh, some of the ads that they're seeing perhaps on a repeated basis that they don't think are appropriate for them and that maybe some of the some of the language is wrong maybe the the whole idea of the advertising uh, format isn't appropriate for them online perhaps in traditional more traditional forms of media the advertising is just presented at you and you're used to the format of you know a break of a television program leading into some advertising then you're back in the program again but there's something about invasive form of advertising which women seem to like less than men which i think is really interesting if i if i hear rightly jane the uh, the the kind of takeaway there is around thinking about different media channels will ha- also have different levels of or types of response uh from from uh, women and men and you know i think i think your your intuition there is 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 right around there's something about the the style of of digital advertising um that maybe um isn't isn't breaking through as well but it is it is quite perplexing i suppose so angeline i'm i'm curious what your reaction to that is um because this is this is saying something about the effectiveness of of certain media channels uh, or media types when you think about the nature of online advertising it's so targeting focused but the reality is women wear many hats they play so many roles moms sisters coworkers friends daughters that you have to recognize that that they don't necessarily want to identify with one role and so the very nature of the targeting is something that could be a turnoff oftentimes there are ads that are relying on that mom stereotype so how do we shift that around and remember, remember again that they have interests beyond you know, minivans and strollers. So if we think of the mom as a woman, first and foremost, and we think of the the situation, you know, without that gender bias, I think you would probably be able to create advertising that would appeal more broadly. The other piece is think about how the material is being presented. You know, there's a fine line between being successful and stereotypical when you're doing good advertising. And so work together, utilize some of the new tools out there, put some markers in place to make sure that you're going to develop messages um, that allow women to really share and consume that content in a way that is looking at them as individuals, not looking with them in a particular caretaker role. That maybe what's going on in the digital environment, because of the the ability to be very hyper-targeted and therefore um, marketers and, and um and media agencies getting very, very focused on the targeting. It, in some sense, is an environment where some of these stereotypes around uh, ad targeting can therefore just sort of be exacerbated um, because we're getting really, really focused on targeting, particularly in digital. And, and you know, getting the creative therefore wrong or, or inappropriate for the intended audiences. So it's sort of the advantages that we often talk about in terms of digital with with targeting um, really come back to um, make this problem even worse in, in that environment. And that might be a reason why we see these, these findings. Perhaps also there's something to do with algorithmic bias around how the ads actually get served. Um, not that the algorithms are designed to to be stereotypical, but that uh, again, it's sort of a, a snowballing of the problem that uh, then gets gets kind of uh, scaled up, so to speak, by by algorithms. One area where we're seeing more and more uptake is when it comes to cause related marketing, meaning consumers do react well when they see a social cause being linked to a brand, and that's something that has an intrigue factor, an interest factor, because it shows more of a purpose to to the product. 
So I would say that would be an interesting area to continue to pursue and to explore as you're looking to, you know, broaden your demographic base and see more uptake. And and Jane, I I, I read in, in the in the ad reaction uh, report also that there was the difference turned around when uh, you looked at word of mouth. So I think it was um, uh, there was more impact from word of mouth uh, among uh, females than for males. And so I wonder if that also helps give us a little bit of a hint of the type of creative or the type of advertising in, in a digital format, maybe something that's more interactive and gendering some word of mouth might be uh, also more effective and, and a better fit. Yeah, I think there's there's a, a couple of things. I agree completely with Angeline. Uh, we know from our Brand Z data that brands with purpose uh, perform better uh, generally. Um, they have greater brand value. And we also know that this is something that Generation Z, perhaps younger people, also think is more important um, for marketing to deliver. They think that brands do need to hang their hat on a particular cause or a purpose. Obviously, it's got to be authentic and it's got to be more than just PR. But I think that having a broader statement, you know, we've seen recent examples of this with Gillette um, and with Nike as well, actually, where they are, you know, making making it a, a cause and a purpose that is an intrinsic part of their marketing. I think the other point is that, uh, Andrew, you're right, Generation Z, we know in particular, um, are very keen on uh, interacting with advertising, on voting for something. They want to feel like they're a part of it. Um, and, you know, it's no coincidence that we see the rise of influencers being used or key opinion leaders, as they call it in China, uh, for promoting products and services. So I think that's an interesting development. And I don't think it's going to go away. I think marketers will have to take this more and more seriously as time goes on and start to integrate with other marketing efforts, um, both purpose-related marketing and the nature of the advertising formats themselves. How can uh, companies really make this happen? You know, is it about the marketing workforce? Is it about the leadership? Is it about everyone else? I mean, what what seems to be the the approach to take here so that you actually make this change and make it work and embed it in organizations? What What's the most uh, effective uh, way forward here? It's about intentionality. It's about making sure that ge- a gender lens is embedded across the company ethos and in everything that you do, you'll do. I'll take it actually up a level to you know, within the UN world, we have the sustainable development goals, and there's 17 goals out there. There's one particular goal, goal number five, that's focused on gender equality. However, gender is a part of every single other goal out there. That same principle applies to the advertising world as well. You need to have a conscious look at how to address gender, but you also need to make sure that at each and every level, there's an understanding and a participatory space to make that change. So what does that mean in this context? It means that we need people to rewrite storyboards and wipe out the stereotypes and challenge the social norms. Uh, We need to actually represent the new vision of a woman and girl in the world that we're currently living in. I think it all I think this also speaks to a point about what advertising's role is in society. Is advertising there to mirror what we see or does it have an obligation to use its power if you like in the marketplace to uh, you you know to adopt gender portrayals in a more progressive way. I think um for a lot of marketers there is a long way to go but as Angeline has commented a lot of them are taking it really really seriously but marketers can 
fairly simply, I think, embed programs within their organisations to make sure they're getting gender right. And actually now that all of the examples that we're seeing of, of good gender portrayals, actually, I do think that brands no longer have an excuse to, to get it wrong. Yeah, and Jane, I was just going to put in a plug for the, the What Women Want initiative that, that Kantar has done um, and that we've had here at Oxford as well, because I think that that is a, a, a set of great examples of, of getting it right in terms of um, gender portrayals in, in advertising so that there are examples, there are case studies uh, that the industry can look to. But also from my perspective as someone in a university that we can show to our students uh, and when we're teaching them marketing and teaching them about communications within marketing, we, we can we can discuss these issues and not just at a uh, level of say the the uh, the SDG type level uh, for the UN, which I think gives a really good direction, but but bring it down to the very practical level in terms of an actual advertising ex- execution and um, how it is entirely possible to do this properly and do it well, and then also link it to to your research around how it it's. Um, it, it actually works out well better for the business also. Yeah, and I would say it was so powerful. You know, part of the reason we're here today is I had the opportunity to be in a room where this research from Kantar was first coming out and being unveiled. And the way that that corporations reacted to it and were thirsting for that information really showed me that appetite for change. And it, and I think, and the appetite for more information, because information, as we know, is power. And with that power, we can really change um, change the trajectory for women and girls moving forward. So thank you, Kantar, for your support in, you know, putting this research out there. Thank you also for what you've been doing directly, you know, with you and women to help us, you know, also secure other data and insights in this work. And um, I know that together, we're really going to see the change we want. You've been listening to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School and Kantar. Find more episodes and related content at uk.kantar.com or at sbs.oxford.edu. Thank you.